the only black manager in and I'm young. Mm-hmm. I was feeling myself. You made it. I was like, yeah, I had arrived mm-hmm. and made it. I was I had a house. I had the wife. I was I was I was the picture. I was like I was doing it. Yeah. But I was not ready. It is impossible to anticipate where the two monsters which suddenly appeared in the atomic area will attack next. If your power goes out, remain calm. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to episode nine of the First Sip Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Dave Rivers, a financial solutions advisor. Is that correct, Dave? Yes, sir. Dave is prolific in the Philadelphia area. Uncle Dave. Uncle Dave. <laughs> Today, he's wearing his Sunday best. Once again, me and Nikemi are upstage from an attire standpoint, which I hate. Um, we got to get really nice sweatsuits. <laughs> That's what, I'm very uncomfortable. What's uh, the nicest sweatsuit? Gucci sweatsuits? No. Mm-mm. Louis V. First sip. This is why we should have branding. Went. I told you we should have went to the Louis V store yesterday. Yes, because then we could have been prepared for Dave and his Discuss Sunday co-branding. Fest. You're going to spend. Go. You're going to spend the stemmy. No, that's gone. So, Dave, Chemi. I'm going to need you to Chemi's talk about financial advising. You didn't help me out with what I should have done with Stimmy because I got to find Jimmy again. That's a good topic. What, what what should we do with Stimmy? What's the plan? What should I do with the next Stimmy if this happens again? Because I didn't plan well. We'll touch on that, Dave. Thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate, appreciate the opportunity. It. Yeah. Yeah. Kemba, what do you want to get into today? Oh, man. We have uh, some pretty good uh, topics to cover here with Dave. You know, um, been talking to some people before, asking them some questions that they have about, or just for a financial advisor, because mm-hmm. one thing we talk about is people are kind of hesitant, right, to come into the office and have a conversation with you, give you a call, because they don't really know maybe sometimes what you can do for them, what amount of assets, how much money they should have before they come to you, or sometimes it's just the fear. Right. That's and very so true. Like, very like, true. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. So let me just open up my account. Let me just work, work, work. Put my money into the account, and then I'll be good. But right. But then yeah. You no. See the I mean, you who, and I, yeah. we know from where we are. Let me give a couple of disclaimers first. So mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, I am a financial solutions advisor with Merrill. So these are not the opinions of Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Finner, and Smith. Mm-hmm. I will not be giving out investment advice. Not giving you any recommendations. If you have questions. I am uh, out of the office for a little while, but I will be back. You can obviously, I look forward to people reaching out to me. But answering your initial question that you posed to me, you and I, we talk about this all the time at work and the things that we get into. And it's really just about demystifying what we're doing, what I do, and even what you do. I love the way you put that. Just having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And you asked me before we started live about the difference with Gen Z and millennials and then I am a Gen X and then my parents and all the transitions. And I always try and I always tell the clients that I sit in front of my responsibility to every client that I come in contact with is just to have a conversation and to get to know you and to understand. I say we want to figure out where you are right now and where you want to be in the future and then figure out that journey in between and just try and make it simple, have a conversation. Because you and I talk, Dikembe, you and I talk about it all the time. You can go anywhere. You can really go anywhere mm-hmm. to do what I do. You can go to some of our competition. And like you mentioned, people just want to open up a checking account. I don't have any money to save. And I was on, I'm on training all the time, but was on an interesting training. And they said that if you, and it's 
very personal to me because my wife is here as we're recording and mm-hmm. we're getting ready to have our first child. Welcome. In Welcome, a man. few Congrats. days. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, a few Congrats. days. Daughter coming. So hashtag girl dad. <laughs> they said that if you open up account, just a regular account, a regular investment account and put $6,750 in there and don't put any more money in there and let it sit for 70 years, you will end up, your daughter will have, or a child will have $1.4 million. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that is the power of compounding invest, compounding interest in investing. Mm-hmm. Now, people are not, aren't, dis- the, the problem that we face is that it's about discipline. Mm-hmm. It's about the discipline to be able to stick to a plan. People have, and then I understand it. We're living in a COVID pandemic world. We have been living like this for over a year now. Saving, the interesting thing is business has been great for our industry and Albert, you can appreciate that uh, uh, understanding financial services business has been great because people realize more and more some of the things that they were spending money on they either don't have access to or they're just like you know what things need to be a little bit different because we know just from statistics and studies that the vast majority it's it's, it's heartbreaking but the vast majority of americans do not, cannot and you and i talk about this all mm-hmm. the time cannot afford a 400 dollars emergency Yep. Not 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 thousands of dollars, a four hundred dollar emergency. Mm-hmm. So if your car, if you need to get new tires on your car, your car that gets you to your job, you can't afford to do it. And it's and it's one thing to just read the statistic and think like, oh, you know, maybe they're inflating that, you know, and maybe they're just hyping that up. And it's another thing to actually have the conversations weekly on a reoccurring basis. And it's like, oh no, this is there's the reality behind this. Absolutely. This is almost like what this is the norm. Most people that mm-hmm. come in, it's like, okay, let's talk about savings. No, I'll talk about that in a couple months. Right. Those couple months go by and you never have that conversation. Right. And I just say, like, it's just getting in front of someone. Because, like I said, I, you can go, you can come to Merrill. You can go to Morgan Stanley. You can go to Goldman. You can go. And then there's uh, the um, discount broker. You can go to Fidelity. You can go mm-hmm. to TD Ameritrade. And even you and I talked about it, everything. And it was illuminating listening to your friend um detmar is that his name detmar yeah detmar who is insane clearly <laughs> psycho. yeah yeah he's, he's, he's crazy but he like everything that he said was absolutely illuminating for somebody mm-hmm. who's in the industry to listen to him mm-hmm. but it's really about sitting there and just listening i'm like i don't you can go anywhere it's about your level of comfort hmm. being comfortable with the person you're sitting in front of I'm, i need to be comfortable with you being able to help you and advise you and like I say, I, my biggest responsibility, the thing that, I, that gets me out and I'm passionate about this and I love every day is being able to educate people. Yeah. And then you talk about it, you mentioned about being a black man doing this. Mm-hmm. So there aren't that many of us. And that is, and that's a little bit about representation as well, because mm-hmm. that matters. Mm-hmm. This is an industry that has been around for a very long time, but it does not demographically look like this country. Yeah. So there need to be more women involved. There need to be more men involved. So mm-hmm. definitely a shout I mean, out. Just to make, you know, like once again, let's make it real, right? Let's think about our, our market. How many other black advisors are within our market? So I was about to give a shout out. So shout out to yeah. Chris Brown and Steve McKenzie mm-hmm. and Doheen Clunas and Mika Wombly, who are FSAs like myself at Merrill. But there are definitely there are definitely older black guys and I do say black men because that's the vast majority of them who have been doing this for a long time mm-hmm. but they're ready to get out but they understand legacy and they understand wanting to get other people trained but more but people don't see this as a viable career 
Now, I'm not going to say that getting here has not been a journey and it was hard mm-hmm. to get here. Yeah, what was the what was the first step? What even? Yeah, that's, that's something we definitely want to talk okay, about. Okay, so you know, let me back up. Repeat, yeah, you okay, know that, so that let's back process. up. If it's difficult, why and what? So I had to, coming out, so I graduated from Temple in 2002. Mm-hmm. And I was, this is my, I was married. So my, before. My ex-wife was in medical school at the University of Virginia. So I say I just moved sight unseen, no job prospects. Mm-hmm. Fresh with a marketing degree from Temple to Charlottesville, Virginia. <laughs> where my wife was in medical school, ex-wife was in medical school at the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. We weren't even engaged yet. So then moved down there and just worked menial labor jobs, just like temp work. But I've always been very good. I have a God-given gift to be able to do math in my head. So I've always oh, been Oh, we interested. were going to get into that. You remember I've been telling you. Oh, yeah, you said and he's like you remember calculator. I told you he's Jer, the other one I told you who's, uh-huh. who's like that? Yeah, right behind you. Okay. He's right there. Yes, All right, yep. we'll compare notes. Yep. <laughs> Might have a contest. <laughs> we'll hold up flashcards. Yep. <laughs> See who can finish. Who can finish first. So I knew, and I was always coffees. interested in the stock market itself. Mm-hmm. And even this is a kid growing up. So now this is the 80s was kind of familiar and then saw Wall Street and was okay. like, oh, that was interesting, even though it was fiction. But I didn't know how to get there. And that wasn't something that they were pressing that people, you know, you guidance counselors or people were talking mm-hmm. about coming in college. They weren't, you know, hey, would you be interested in going to be a financial advisor? And it was crazy because my senior year at Temple, I did an internship at J.P. Morgan. Really? It was not okay. J.P. Morgan Chase yet at J.P. Yeah. Morgan in, in right outside of. Newark, Delaware, right down there. Did it? Uh, did, they had a whole program. Okay, but that didn't work out. Worked some jobs. Got married. Then 2012, my marriage was ending. Came back home. I had something. Jennifer knows. I said I had to come to Jesus moment. Mm-hmm. My parents called me. They were like, "It's time to come home." Mm-hmm. But I knew then that I was like, I really like. I had worked at a. I had worked at. It was Wachovia time now as well as Fargo. As a branch manager, and I loved it. Okay. And you and I talked about that. I was brash and I was cocky. I was <laughs> 29, making, and I yeah. and I was in Charlottesville, Just which is a good. very conservative. Yeah, yeah, making good money. I'm like the only black manager, in and I'm young. Mm-hmm. I was feeling myself. You made it. I was like, yeah, I had arrived. Mm-hmm. and made it. I was. I had a house. I had the wife. I was. I was. I was the picture. I was like, I was doing it. Yeah. But I was not ready. I was not ready. I really wasn't ready for that level of responsibility that came with that. Came home in 2012. I was like, all right, I really want to do financial services. I don't want to just do banking, but I want to do full-fledged financial services. And I knew I would really have always, I was like, I want to, you know, and I would love to be in the stock market, being like an advisor or a stockbroker. So I got an opportunity and I joined Prudential Financial in 2012. And you can appreciate that being at Allstate Albert about, <laughs> they hype you up. And my uh, uh, one of my best friends who was the best man at my wedding. We both started like a week apart. So shout out to Roger Kelly. And we, who Dikembe knows, was coming, yep. coming to the branch a couple of times. And they hype you up. And very quickly, we realized that you go broke. <laughs> broke selling. I was, so I, the, the bread and butter, obviously, at Prudential was life insurance, but they also did annuities which was a big part of their game. And this is 2012, so the market's screaming along. Everything's well. You know, you're just trying to find these assets to put into annuities or get people into life insurance. I did not make money. And then what helped, I had also before then had decided to go back to school. I was like, all right, 2010, all right, we got to do more. Even though, like I said, it's about being uncomfortable. 
I lived in a city with one of the best business and law schools in the country and never applied because I was like, I got to work. I got a wife. We have a house. I, you know, I didn't get to my level of being uncomfortable with. And, you know, I was like maybe law school, maybe business school. So then I decided, all right, I'm going to go online. I need to get a master's degree. I was really capped out after losing my job at Wachovia. It was just a series of whatever jobs to make money. I wasn't advancing. And now I'm past 30. So what are you doing? So then so I'm getting my degree from the University of Phoenix, get my degree in, in the end of 2012, join Prudential. You know, you come in there, same thing, suited and you're ready to go. You were thinking, I'm going to kill it. Then they <laughs> hype you up. Like, you can find all this money, how much money you can understand that, the pay scale, Albert, and how they talk to you about that and how much. Sure. And I was broke. Uncapped I did not make potential. Exactly. And that's right. That's right. I keep on forgetting that you're in New York. Like, I did not make money from when I joined in August of 2012. I didn't get it my first paycheck when I finally got through the training program and everything booked up until February of 2013. So for six months, <laughs> you know, I will never be able to repay my mother and never be able to repay my sister. My mother kept me fed and my sister kept me, gave me shelter. <laughs> I live with my sister. That's, you know, it's such an interesting story that we've obviously talked about before, but I think being at the age that we're at, right, 27, 28, people who might be in the first few years of post-college, they might be experiencing that. You know, they might think... And then it's the pandemic. Oh, my gosh. Which is cool. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> now, you know, you're, you may think that, okay, things are going great. You know, you got your great job. You know, you got some money saved aside. You got a nice car. Things are going good. And then reality hits. Mm-hmm. Or the first real-life event post-college happens. And now you have to pivot. Right? Maybe you have to move back in with your parents. Maybe mm-hmm. you have to move back in with a couple roommates for a few years and save some money. And I think for a lot of people our age, that is something that they don't want to accept, you know, and when they do Absolutely. finally accept it, it's maybe at a point where it's like, why did you wait this long? Right. You know, and once again, we I'm talking to someone from experience, you know, where it's just like, OK, you have gone through this, this, this and this. When are you going to finally take the time and say, like, OK, I need to take control of my life? Yeah. And then know, and be uncomfortable yeah. for a little while. Yeah. And definitely. And I won't name her name, but when in. Dikembe, you'll uh, appreciate we had a younger coworker who just uh, transitioned to a new branch and she and I were having a conversation and you talk about millennials and Gen Z. So I, I have a quite a bit of debt, but my debt is between my undergrad and grad degree mm-hmm. and working on it and then in a great position now to start paying back on that. This young lady comes out, got her degree last summer. Yeah. Yeah. Last summer uh, where she graduated. And she has $140,000 worth of student loan debt. That's grad school. That's coming out of undergrad. That changes everything. I say that. <laughs> this is what I told. And I hate. And and it's crazy, man. My that, responsibility, that like, like my, I said. That hurt my heart. Exactly. And I don't want to scare people. But I'm like, my responsibility is to tell you the truth. And we and then we try and figure. We work the plan. It's like we work doctor. the we plan. Talk about it. It's like you're a financial doctor. Right. You got to be honest with people. And we work the plan. But I'm like, that's what's preventing so yeah like and then with the pandemic and everything that's happened you're putting extremely experienced people back into the workforce mm-hmm. people who are older than me I'm 44 years old people who have been in companies 20, 25, 30 years mm-hmm. are getting back into the workforce now who've got huge amounts of experience are looking at retirement and are like I may not get the greatest salary but I'm willing to maybe take a 20% pay cut mm-hmm. millennials are looking like alright you're making 80 I don't want to go down to 60, but it's something. And again, mm-hmm. the biggest thing also is it's giving me benefits. Yes. Which is something I almost certainly need. 
Now, millennials and Gen Z's are like, that is an amazing salary. And it is. But you're not going to get it because they're like, hold on. This person's willing to take a pay cut and they've got all this experience. So I probably can dump more on them because they've got so much experience and they Mm -hmm. can actually probably manage two positions Mm -hmm. for the salary of one. And that's and I'm like, that's it's delaying decisions, decisions that I was able to make. And then definitely my parents and those generations were able to make. Uh, millennials and Gen Z's can't make because they're coming out of school with all this debt. That's your bill. Yeah. That's that. That's the thing you're going to be committed to. That's going to, and it stops things credit wise. It stops you from like you would right before we came on, you were talking about making decisions about, I want to buy a house mm-hmm. or even things you like. I love Congress law, but even stuff like getting married. Like again, it's about talking and telling the truth. I'm never going to tell anybody not to get married. if They love somebody, but you have to have the financial discussion. Can y'all really afford this? I mean, sh- so, so, I, so I got a question then off of that. Someone sits down in front of you and they, because probably the majority of people that listen to this podcast have college debt. Mm-hmm. They have to. Oh, yeah. So they, they sit in front of you and they say that to you. What is, what's the conversation like from there? What what do you, what do you say to someone that says, yeah, man. Throw a number at him, yeah. I have 200 grand. In, there you go. I have 200 grand. I went to St. Joe's. I have 200 grand in college debt. Here I am. I just got a job. Why am I sitting in front of you? Then it's a uh, while well, the conversation is going to be, well, thank you for coming in front of me. And let's just, what do you, what are your, I always use this question. What are your fears? You're asking me. <clears throat> yeah. Like, what are you, what are your fears? Like, what are your fears there? What are the things? All right. So you've got this massive amount of debt. What are your, what are the things that keep you up at night? After everything is said and done, you're done watching the podcast. You're done watching. Shout out to Snowfall. <laughs> you're done watching all that. And it's right before bedtime. What's preventing you from getting a good night's rest? Honestly, I couldn't even answer that. I don't know what, what would. And be I think sometimes that's here. where, yeah, you know, we you must hear crazy. You must where hear we crazy step answers. in, right? And sometimes presenting questions or different stories that you might hear from other people helps because you might say, "Is it your fear of not being able to pay this off mm-hmm. long term? Is it your fear because you know the payment that you're fixed with now is affecting your ability to buy a home or to maintain your mm-hmm. home or to save money for your child's education?" those different points right that sometimes like we're saying people aren't even thinking about the the holistic picture and saying oh wait i do have a i i do have a child you know but i also have my car note wait right. i also have to pay my mortgage oh my gosh i have a 400 hundred dollar student loan payment that i'm gonna have to start repaying at a mm-hmm. certain point how do i make that possible and uh, you know i'm gonna let you go back in here but at a certain point i think it comes back to either you're gonna have to cut some money somewhere, cut some expenses, mm-hmm. or you're going to have to start making some money. But right. it's going to come back to the conversation. So where would you take that then? Well, then that's, yeah, that's the, com- like you just said, that's the conversation is we have to look at, it's a, it's a, at the end of the day, I said, this is a math problem. The only true universal language is mathematics. This is a math problem at the end of the day, figuring out where, where can we make changes but I also think, and my wife and I, as we are expecting our child, it has to back all the way up to the initial, and that is, and Kimba, you and I understand this, the conversations that are not happening in the black community and other communities of color and disenfranchised communities is backing up in the beginning and having these conversations with your children and setting expectations. Mm. Jennifer and I have this conversation all the time about setting expectations. My wife is amazing. She's a doctoral candidate. God willing, fingers crossed, we'll finish at Temple in December. There we go. Let them know. Oh, that's yep. amazing. Yeah. So it's like we have to back up and have you, but we know we're going to have this conversation with our daughter and we're hoping to have more children having the conversation with them. 
Like what school? And it's funny. My first content recommendation. We're not even completely through it, but Operation Varsity Blues talking about the college admission scandal. And these are people of means mm. who are putting all this immense amount of pressure on their children. And because of status, we're going to pay hundreds and millions of dollars to people to try and get their kids in. Backing up and having the conversations and setting expectations. I would I went to Jennifer. And I got different stories. I went through private school all the way through um, from <coughs> shout out to Episcopal Academy and my sister as well. Jennifer went to private school and then finished at Girls High. My wife, however, her parents made a conscious decision for her and her two brothers to get them. I always say that every, I believe, I firmly believe every child has a talent. How do you find a way to help that talent be developed? Mm. So her parents made a decision that y'all are going to swim. So if anybody's ever seen the movie Pride, my second <laughs> recommend, content recommendation, um, it's about the Philadelphia Department of Recreation, now it's, a, it's got a different name, but they had a swimming program. They wanted to get youth involved in swimming. And that was a program. His name is Jim Ellis. He just recently retired. And he built that program. And Jennifer and Jared and Jonathan were involved, and they swam. It allowed Jennifer to go to Howard on a partial swimming and academic scholarship. It allowed Jonathan went to Penn. Penn, the Ivy League schools don't do scholarships, but he was on the swim team. And then Jared... He swam, but he also played soccer. It allowed him to go to Lincoln University, shout out to the HBCUs, on a soccer scholarship. So they did not have that. I wasn't that smart. And I went to a, an elite private school here in Pennsylvania. So <laughs> it was all about, okay, you're going to go to Penn or one of those schools. Not worrying about, because our parents, Kim can appreciate that our parents' generation were like, we're going to get you into the best school possible. <laughs> we'll figure out the debt. But you need to, in order to set the table for you in your life, you need to be going to Ivy. My sister went to Harvard. So wow. she kind of broke the model for me mm-hmm. and messed it up her little brother. Wow. So, but I was not, I was a good, I was an average student. I, I, you know, I have a procrastination problem. I do. My wife will tell you that. I got right a procrastination problem. So I did not, and I went to an elite private school. I know that if I had not messed around between end of junior year and senior year, I would have gotten a pen early decision. I would have. I absolutely would have gotten him. And that's what that would have fulfilled everything, the the image. But it wasn't the right opportunity for me. So I'm like, you got to have these conversations throughout time to manage expectations so you don't look up. And now you're 24 years old and you got $200,000 of debt because you went to. Yeah, you went like you said, you went to St. Joe's and you come out with all this debt, but your parents weren't able to save enough to try and help you um, reduce some of that debt or do something mm-hmm. that they can do to contribute. And now you're looking up and that's, but I'm like, that's why we have to have these conversations early on to manage expectations and understand the process. Because at the end of the day, you'll look up and again, uh, like I said, it is a math problem, but I'm not a miracle worker. I cannot work miracles. The math is the math. (laughs) The math, you got $20,000 worth of debt. That's what we have to focus on. Mm -hmm. What can we do to change things around? I also think about, you need to have multiple streams of dick. I talk about this all the time. You need to have multiple streams of income then. What can you do? Yes, where the money reside, yep. as that uh, <laughs> thing on YouTube says. Yep. You got to figure out something, then you're going to have to figure out what can you do that you'll be able to generate more income. You probably need to have your first job, but you may have to look at some other opportunities as well and be able to start building up your capital. But Because it's not like the one thing I do admire about Gen Z's and millennials is that y'all are very good about con- like content like we're doing right now yeah. having recommendations finding things that you are good at your other talents and being able to turn that and monetizing that and there's nothing wrong with that 
Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's a great point, you know, and there's a lot of things I want to continue to piggyback off of there. One of them being, well, let's start, let's go back to the whole, you know, parents having that early conversation, you know, with their kids and not only just saying, okay, you know, whether they're saving money for college and the kid might be working through it, but what is their expectation that they expect an after? Like you're going to college for four years for this degree after that. Right. Are you still trying to work towards this job or are you now in a completely different field? Right. Mm -hmm. And then once again, that is going to completely change how you're able to manage that debt. You know, that's correct. Like I um, and shout out, I get to shout out to my parents as well. My mother has watched my sister and I transition through quite a few opportunities. Mm -hmm. Like I said, sister went to Harvard. I am now here. My sister and I are finally in a stage where we feel very comfortable and we are comfortable where we are and we're able to meet our obligations mm-hmm. and the debts and the different things that we have going on in our life. But like you said, a lot of parents, especially parents that have children that, that grew up during the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and all of the challenges that came with that. And we are still looking 60 years later and still dealing with it. Mm-hmm. But they are looking like, like you said, you come out, you get it. That's what they did. You come out, get a job. My parents both went to Cheney university and were educators and got into my mother got into the school district of philadelphia and was there for 38 years so and then did was really good at what she did and was Mm -hmm. innovative in some of the things she did but that was it okay like you were going to be and she had a few jobs here and there on the side but that was it Mm -hmm. and got in there and i understand it because there was a there was a generation of people coming out of hbcus and other schools that educated Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of students in this in this philadelphia school district and they, but that was a good job for them. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Yeah, the job structure changed a lot. Yes, it, and that's what I was about to, mm-hmm. that's exactly what I was about to hit on. But it, the job structure changed completely. I have some of my godmothers, all mm-hmm. of them, the vast majority of them were school teachers mm-hmm. or educators. Yeah, that's and, funny. A lot of my aunts are too. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but they came out, when they came out, it was a good job. And the other benefit I have to give a say about being here in Philadelphia is that they've been extremely extremely influential and strong teachers union mm-hmm. the philadelphia federation of teachers fought tooth and nail and i remember from my mother in the 80s so for 40 plus years they have been fighting very hard mm-hmm. to manage and to allow opportunities but it's different now yeah you don't have those same level of benefits that was the no. biggest thing you may not have the biggest salary but you got benefits you got you are getting a pension mm-hmm. which we now know is unheard of you're not getting a pension anymore at most at most you know, jobs you know anybody our age with a pension uh jd Oh, with the military, military. but yeah, with the yeah, military, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you are nobody else. Normal people. Yeah, in private industry, no. I mean, Rob, even where we are, Rob honestly might too. Rob, yeah. I don't military, know. Yeah. Military, yeah. But like you, you and I, we're over. Shout out to our employer. I'm thankful for Bank of America, but we don't. You're not getting a pension. No, you better no. invest. You right. You. We have, you have the 401k, 401k and you yeah, know, yeah. and I've set up some other stuff, but you're not getting a pension. And those things we definitely want to talk about, right? Because at a certain point, people are going to come into some money. And they're gonna be like, "All right, where should I? What buckets should I put in?" We talk about the buckets. Yes, we do. All right, like what what buckets should I start putting my money into to make more money? Yeah, that was that was gonna right. be that was just one thing I wanted to get out of this podcast. Yeah. Takeaway, and I don't. We myself, can almost go through like a good role play with that too. Yeah, I myself don't capitalize. I I don't think on like all the services. I guess I can get from my own employer. You know what I mean? Because your own employer has a mm-hmm. like a Merrill. You're a Charles Schwab, or mm-hmm. every, most of the time when you're fortunate enough to have benefits, you have a direct partner. And then mm-hmm. do you, is is the 401k maxing it out? Is that the play always? I always say that you should definitely, if they're going to match 6%, you need to match 6%. 
But if you're saying that, because I see clients all the time, like, oh, I'm putting in 12%. Well, how much is your employer? Well, that's the first question. How much is your I don't know. Yeah, say it's five, whatever. They match five. So you have to be doing five then. Right. I absolutely. It's free money. Right. Your employer is giving free money. money. I mean, it sounds simple, but I just don't think that people have this conversation. I think people complicate that that one point there. That one point. That employer match, that is 100% free money. Right. You, you can have in, like vesting schedules and have to be there for yeah, years. So you're going to be there that. already for 10, 20 plus years longer than I've been alive. Invest. Yes, absolutely. Because we have, yeah, there are definitely a lot of employees at some of these companies have been there 10, 15 years and are not maxing out the match. And I, and I under, But I understand it. They're like, you know, life happened and I've got different things. So I had to redirect some of these assets. I'm never going to tell you not to do the things, and it especially became very clear during the pandemic, to feed your family Mm -hmm. and to keep the lights on. But you talk about, like, what should you do? You were saying, look, what you should do with the stimulus check? Feed your family. Keep your family safe and sheltered and fed. Mm -hmm. But if that isn't an issue for you, because Jim Kim and I joke about this all the time. We work right across the street from the King of Pressure Mall. And I may occasionally go in there and my wife says I have a suit problem, like the suit, <laughs> shout out to Indochino, which keeps me well dressed. But it's like, and, and it always, and Jen, and Jen hears me talk about it all the time, that the amount of disposable income that is being spent at, on luxury goods is obscene. There are, every time I walk into that mall, there is a line at the Louis Vuitton store. Yep. Because I always park, on, park in the orange parking deck, walk right in, because it's around the corner of Mendelgino. Louis Vuitton store, there's the Cartier store, there's Tiffany store. All of those are right in the same area, and there are lines. It does not matter. Lines of people. And I'm not a luxury goods guy, so yeah, I don't really know. But I'm I was like, trying to go shopping yesterday. I'll I'm like, what are me. you doing with $1,400 at the Louis Vuitton store? What are you getting? You getting like a belt? <laughs> socks. <laughs> I'm like, you what are we really buying? Though, they got some socks. I, I like, listen. what are you buying? And then yeah. it's disposable. I'm like, whereas you could take that $1,400. And this is a big thing. This is a conversation and definitely has driven business for us probably in the last two months at Merrill. Is people, here's another crazy statistic. They changed the numbers, but there have been people who have been on unemployment for a year now mm-hmm. they can they got on unemployment in the beginning coming up on a year they probably got on in the beginning of april once the cares act and all that got worked out and then they were getting their stimulus they got their stimulus but then they started getting unemployment first it was four hundred dollars so we'll do rough math and say that you generated in your 52 weeks twenty thousand dollars of income it helped you meet your obligations pay some bills it probably wasn't the same salary that you were getting but you got twenty thousand dollars here's the problem though people weren't paying taxes on it they're yeah. just taking straight income. Jesus. Like I need yep. as much money coming in as I possibly can, bro. And now Albert, they have I see a, your face. What are and you, you doing for a year? That's what I don't understand. How? How do you not have a job for a year? It's impossible. I don't. I. I truly do not understand that. Well, Dagimi and I talk about this. I am, and I guess my naturally nice guy nature is sure. like I. It's it's hard. The I have to be thankful because my wife and I have not had a job pause at mm-hmm. all. We had something happen. Jakimi was there at our financial center for two weeks. Everybody can read that and figure out what that means. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we were still like, we have not had any breaks in paychecks yeah. at all. And I got hired right in the beginning. Like, oh, and like we track back now and understand the history. I got hired November 25th. This was my first day, 2019 at Merrill. Mm-hmm. Two months later, oh, you're hearing some things about this pandemic. Four months later, 
it's a shutdown. Right. Yeah, we, we both started right before the nonsense hit the fan. That's correct. So even if you were to just do a conservative 10% of your income for taxes, that's two G's. So people aren't paying that. So now it's tax season and people are like, all right, I got to file. And you can't try and stick your head in the sand and act like it. Uncle Sam knows because your checks are being reported to the IRS. Mm-hmm. They know you made $20,000 and you're like, I can't pay $2,000. So what we're seeing, some people are starting, it is starting, they're starting to get it. And they're like, all right, I mean, I don't really need a spending I can go and we'll get into Miami in a second. <laughs> I could go, I could spend this and go to Miami. But we're seeing a lot of people who are coming in and are like, Dave. I need to put some money into. I need to defray this giant tax bill that I have. Mm-hmm. What can I do? Do a Roth or open up a traditional. You know, I would love for you to try and let's max this out. It's another bucket. Let's try and max this out to get to six G. So that will that really will that will make or break your tax bill. In. But if y'all you got is your stimulus check and you don't have an immediate need for it, there's something that you can do to try and help. And the other added benefit, the other benefit of it is you're saving towards retirement. Mm-hmm. That's what I think people need to be having these conversations about and sitting down. That's why I always been selling myself is like having these conversations and having, they trained me a lot <laughs> and it was hard finishing my story to get there. And finally, and then I met, uh, going back into my story, came home and it was like broke, broke, broke. And I was like, right, I'm going to work really hard to be the best financial professional ever. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, was definitely uh, moving towards and finishing, finalizing a divorce. And I was like, I'm not worrying about dating or anything mm-hmm. like that. God had a different plan. Mm-hmm. April, like 16th, 18th, 2013, my wife walks into my life. Mm-hmm. And God only gives you so many signals so many times about the things that you need to be doing. And she has been there through all of this journey. All of this job losses, leaving, leaving Prudential, going to Mass Mutual. That didn't work. Working at Citizens Bank, which I loved. But I always in the back of my mind knew I wanted to be on the financial advising side. Mm-hmm. So then I took a chance. A good friend of mine, shout out to Chris Zappi, gave me, he's at Morgan Stanley, gave me an opportunity, but I still wasn't ready. Studied, 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 and went through the Series 7, which is the stockbroker's exam, and missed it by nine questions. But it was one or done. And that was it. Then my, I was getting, we were getting married and my wife, we had a conversation and I had an opportunity to go to either TD bank or to Wells Fargo advisors. And she was like, are you going to take the seven again? Yeah. She's like, I need you to be a TD right now. And that's the, those are the sacrifices that you make. Mm-hmm. Sometimes dreams uh, get deferred. But by September of 2019, she and I both knew that, okay, what's next? You've done what all that you're able going to be able to do at TD. What's next? And a friend of hers, a mentor of hers, the Rock Baptist Church, I knew. He put me in contact. I met my market leader, Adam Berg, and the rest is history. And now here I am. But it took all of those steps and all those stages to get there and job losses and being broke and trying to figure out what's going on. But always along, always the one thing I've always done along that entire time is I've always made sure that I paid my life insurance. Mm. And I have another saying. And that's another bucket. <laughs> that is another bucket. I always have a running joke with my wife. And I've said I've said to other people, like, there are two things that I, you know, people are like, what priority should I really make in terms of my bills? I was like, I always said, you can't drive a house, but you can live in your car. So pay your car note. Because it'll get you, it gets you, all right, now I'm not saying that that's the ideal situation, mm-hmm. but at the, if it's extreme, yeah. you cannot drive a house 
but you can live in your car. So pay your car note and pay your car insurance because a it probably most likely if you're that extreme is getting you back and forth to work. Exactly. Because you probably are working in a, in a place or in a field where you can't afford not to go to work. And that's a whole different podcast for a whole different day about the unemployed and underemployed, because that's another mm-hmm. big issue. The reason that we are where we are in this country is that we're a nation of debt, massive amounts of debt. People just like to consume. Yeah, we do. Absolutely do. And then the other part is um, we don't. And that's, you know, political, but we don't we don't have a national mm-hmm. unity of trying to help people who are in a different position because no, even like you and I talked about this, like the whole conversation about, oh, we need to raise the minimum wage to $15. Mm-hmm. If you, has anybody, and JD can appreciate this, he can do the math and say it. Mm-hmm. Do you actually Jared, understand what, uh, I'm sorry, Jared. Mm-hmm. Do you actually understand what $15 an hour really gets you? Mm-hmm. As long as it's $31,200 before taxes. That's before the taxes come out. Mm-hmm. Then are you doing the right thing? Are you, hey, Dave, you know what? You're right. I'm going to do this raw I'm, and contribute to that. Like, that's not <laughs> a living wage. And Jennifer's heard me say this. I say there are five types of people that I always come in contact with. There are people in poverty. There are poor people. There are people who are middle class. There are rich people. And then there are wealthy people. Mm-hmm. People in poverty are living day to day. Just trying to make it. I love to, this breakdown. So people listen in. Listen in. Yeah, they're trying to get to the next day. People who are poor. And well, I'll even include the working poor living week to week. I, I'm, I'm probably working a minimum wage job. And it allows me to pay whatever bills. I may or may not live with family. Then there are people in middle class. If you're working class, then you are, yeah, you have a job that allows you to, even you have an apartment, you're doing that. Then you, if you're solidly middle class, you know, I can't have a mortgage. And people who are middle class tend, can plan out month to month. If you start getting towards the upper middle class, you can plan out year to year. And then this is where the change comes. People who are rich still probably have to work. But if you're rich, you're planning you're probably planning year to year, but you, if you're really rich, you're planning decade to decade. Hmm. People who are wealthy plan generation to generation. They do not worry about the things in their lifetime and how am I going to live and do all the things that I want. They're yeah. worrying about what am I doing for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Because think about this. The DuPont family, the Rockefeller family, the Ford family, those three major families are still living off things that happened in the 1800s. They have, none of those people have really, they haven't had to keep on making sure that the Ford Motor Company is still good. Mm -hmm. They haven't had to make sure now what is ExxonMobil and a million different other um, oil companies are still good. Mm -hmm. The Rockefellers have had their hands in a million different pies. So we don't even know all the companies, but they're, you know, they don't have to worry about that because they knew that, okay, this is going to feed this generation, three, four, five generations from now. So my responsibility, I always take it upon, is to try and help people like have us, the normal, everyday, working class Americans, to try and get to. I always say, I don't want to own the world. I just want my little piece of it. And I just want my family to be comfortable. I want the people I know and love to be comfortable for mm-hmm. us all to be able to have a level of success. And how do we get there? But the problem we are faced with now is division and like I understand the political division you can talk about there are obviously legacies of white supremacy and systemic racism in this country but the thing that is really starting to change and I think people are getting confused and Dick Kimby and I talk about that all the time is like you I know you had your friend who's in the military on and he was talking about his experience at the Capitol insurrection Mm -hmm. and I'm going to call it what it is 
but I would do Kimmy and I talk about this all the time. Uh, you know, we were out there and Donald Trump, he is for us. Is he though? Hmm. Like how is he how is his life story and what he lives and his life experience the same as you? It's like the Dave Chappelle joke. You you saw and when he did in the stand up special where he was like, No, like I've been around them. I know the jokes they make. They right. are not here for you. Like they <laughs> right. laugh at you guys. Right. Like it's like I'm like, how how have you, you does anyone understand his full like his full story about how he was set up? That's not the average American story. And, I, and yeah. Go ahead. No, please. I think, you know, it goes back to like what you were saying, just breaking it down, like, okay, having an early conversation, right? Like, okay, what is it that you want, not only for yourself, but for your family, the next generation, right? Mm -hmm. If you're the everyday working person, do you have the basics? Do you have life insurance? Right. If not, if you pass away tomorrow and you have a child, you let's your child's going to have a complicated life just getting into college. Let's not talk about them buying a home and setting up their legacy and all these things. It is a significantly hard, like. It's just a harder life that you're setting them up for. Then you talk about these other people. It's like, okay, what about the people you say you bring in Donald Trump, right? The people who said, okay, your father might have said, here, you know, we we're, let's help you out a little bit. Let's give you some guidance, whatever it may be, right? A mentorship. Mm-hmm. People need. I I really think people need that, right? And you can take it however you want to say, like, oh well, you know, he got a handout or blah blah blah. I don't care. Give me a handout. If anybody, hey, anybody listening, want to give me a million dollars, I'll take it today. And you'll and you'll work. I'll take it. Flip the bag. We That's flip right. The bag. And you'll make it work. That's exactly. what I'm saying, right? You exactly. make it work. You can't discredit the hard work. No, you can't. But I think that's what people want to do because it makes their story more comfortable for them. Sure. And that's something that me and Dave talk about because once you reach to a certain point in your life, I think you start asking yourself, "Man, what did I expect to get out of this job, this degree? Mm-hmm. You know, making this salary?" And you really don't have a plan beyond what did you want to do with this money or what are you doing in this position? You're not sitting down with somebody and you're not sitting down with your wife. You're not sitting down with your friends and saying, "Hey, I'm in a pretty good spot or I just came into a good amount of money. I just came into a life insurance, um, you know, settlement or an inheritance. What should I do with this? Right. Like, how can all of us? How can I make sure how my can kids, all, kids don't? Right. How can all of us eat? Jennifer and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing? Like you talked about this little girl's coming in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. What are we doing now to set and to set things up? Like, what do you want out of life? Yeah. Right. Like, what are we doing? And and I'm having a black daughter. Mm-hmm. And that is that matters. I mean, I was reading an article this morning and everything else and we have to really prepare them and confront them because the legacy of slavery and the legacy of division in this country is a dying prospect. It is. People may not want to confront it Mm -hmm. after everything that happened last year with the protesting, after everything that happened in Atlanta, after everything that happened in Colorado, in Boulder, it is a dying prospect the concept of white supremacy and all that. Now they're holding on to the nail and they're trying to move the goalposts. Mm-hmm. You look at Georgia and what they're doing with the elections mm-hmm. and everything else. Like people, like I always had to realize, and I'm thankful for my parents, but my parents are the people who died fighting for, not like uh, we were in a war who died in the South mm-hmm. fighting for civil rights. So if you think that for one second, that now with all the upswell that we are not, that, okay, you got it. You're right. You got the right people in place. You got the bill passed through Georgia and you got there are other million other states out here trying to do the same thing. But if you don't think that people are going to get be galvanized to try and fight this, you're, you're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. And again, I go back to what are these people doing for you? Yeah. How does it affect you? And I talk about this all the time. Being a senator like you and I, we clean up pretty nice. Mm-hmm. That might be a good gig for us. <laughs> yeah. might be a nice gig. Dikembe 2032. I'm telling you. <laughs> you're going to let the people know. You're going to let them know. But it's like, I'm like, 
Why are you listening to people who are old enough to be your parents? Get ready. We're talking about this. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, old Mitch McConnell parents. are old enough to be my parent. I'm 44 years. They are all old enough. Diane finds all of them. You want whatever, whoever you want to name. But Dave, what does it go back to? It's they get you to think that your pocket is being affected by another group of people in the right. same country. Right. It is such an easy line to draw in the sand and say, you know why you're broke? Because of that white person. You know why you're broke? Because that black person keeping you out of a job. Mm-hmm. You know why you're broke? The caravans are back. Right. Coming through the border. Right. And they're right. taking all the jobs. It is in every community. Once, And this is why I love about being able to sit back and have the conversations. When you sit back and have the conversations, you can see that every community is fighting the same enemy in this country. And right. again, I go back to, at the end of the day, the only true universal language is mathematics. So... Going, putting it, honing it back in. This is about, and I'm. I know I've had clients, good clients, and great conversations with people who may have a different political philosophy from me. But at the end of the day, sitting down, like, what are you, seriously? Let's talk about what are you really concerned about? If you're concerned about, oh, the you call the invasion of people from a different land. Well, what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Because, and Dikembe explained a little bit about your uh, lineage. Yes. Albert, like, please, like, uh, miss me with that, considering that there's an all likelihood my ancestors have been here for 400 years. So mm-hmm. you can go ahead and miss me. Your ancestors have been here about 250. So mm-hmm. what are we talking about? And that's not to say that your story didn't involve trying to escape tyranny or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we all have a shared history and story. There's only one. If we think about it, there's only one indigenous population mm-hmm. in this country yeah. that can sit here and say we never left. Mm-hmm. So everyone else most likely their ancestors were escaping some type of persecution. Mm-hmm. Now, we are, but then the other problem, the other thing we got to confront in this country is that we're one of the youngest democracies in the world. So, you, a democracy is complicated. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot to get yeah, where we are. trials and tribulations, sure. Yeah, there's a lot that you have to go through to get here. It takes a lot here. of talking. <laughs> it does, it does take a lot of talking, but it's, again, I'm like, how are we trusting people whose life story is not the same as yours? Mm-hmm. Being a senator is a pretty good gig. Mm-hmm. They talk about, like, Mitch McConnell has been a senator for 40 years. You and I, we talked about the math. We did a rough estimate. He has probably cleared $3 million in sell salary just from being a senator. From doing what? And you really have to ask yourself that question. From doing <laughs> he's what? He's been a senator in Kentucky no, since 1980. He's, I'm sure he's no. done a lot. That but it's we like, don't know. no, I'm sure he has. Yeah, but my yes. point, just his salary as a senator has oh, probably yeah. cleared him $3 million. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, they get increases since the 80s. But I'm like, so, like, he doesn't his job is never is not the average job of the average people and i understand that he's there to represent the constituents of kentucky mm-hmm. from a federal level but that is i guess that's it. like what are we doing looking at trusting people who are they really and like you had talked about and it's our pastor and we uh went to church earlier was talking about he always says you know turn off cnn turn off fox news whatever you're watching and understand that what the message that God, especially as we are in Holy Week now mm-hmm. and we're coming up on Easter, what God has for you is Palm Sunday today. And to understand and to eliminate some of the noise and to get back to the bedrock of what your principles are and the things that are important to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try and what I do every day is try and get people to understand, like, what do we I, I understand? And, I, and, I, and I'm not saying that your political philosophy does not matter. But what are the things, again, what are the fears? What are the things that keep you up at night yeah, that you I, want to and it's be funny, able to you know, confront? How we, we keep coming back to that same um, that same starting question, right? Like, what is it that you're really upset about? Right. It's something after a while we are in the group chat, right? We really have to just get to a point because it's just like, 
all right, what are we talking about here, right? Like, what are you outraged about? Like, yeah, you might see these changes with taxes or business policy or these mm-hmm. regulations. Is it because you're worried that this is going to affect your tax liability going into the next year or the next four years? If so, let's talk about that. Right. Because once again, we're in America. We're in a great country that has plenty of tax incentives, right? Mm-hmm. Plenty of ways for you to write off that 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 mm-hmm. um, that tax load. But if you're not willing to have the conversation and you're just going to be upset about it, I can't help you. Right. The same way how I told you about this, I had a conversation with a 22-year-old kid who came in the office, told me how much he hates banking and corporate world and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, why? Oh, well, you know, my family, my cousin, you know, they had this issue with credit and, you know, it didn't work out for them, blah, blah. All these anecdotal stories of somebody else who ran into this situation Mm -hmm. and this is why I don't like this or why I can't take the next step to prepare myself financially. Right. And I don't understand why or what you can have to do sometimes for people to get them to the point of being like, listen, I know you're already upset, but put that on hold for a second to have this conversation with me. You may be uncomfortable for a few months, a few years, but after that, you might come out looking at it the same way these people on the other side are looking at it and saying, mm-hmm. like, hey, listen, we might be in a messed up situation, but there is still plenty of benefits to take advantage of in this country if you know how to take advantage of it. Especially if you're smart with your money. And being smart comes down to discipline. You said that in the beginning of the podcast, right? It comes down to discipline. The Mm -hmm. same way how when we had Alex on uh, Albert's wife, said, why can't a lot of people stick to a fitness plan? Why can't they lose the weight that they want to lose? Why can't they get to the goals? People lack discipline. Mm -hmm. And then when you lack that discipline, you start blaming everybody else. Oh, well, Coke puts too much sugar in the can. Don't open the Don't can. Don't drink. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Doritos puts too many, too many chips in the bag. Not enough, man. They don't, not, not enough. Did you they, see how they so played? Air, bro. They it's, played Brandon yesterday. They, he opened. Wow, they they sliced bad. up half a potato and put it in the bag. Yeah, that was bad. The chips. And said, here's so a good. full bag of chips. But this is what we're talking about. Discipline. Right. And you talk about discipline. You guys just finished 75 hard. Yes, we did. Right. Yes. That is 75. And I was talking to you about this, right? Like yes. 75 days, no drinking, training twice a day. Right, following a diet plan, yes. um, reading uh, ten pages, ten pages, self betterment, mm-hmm. all about self betterment, and that is a hard thing for you to do. You tell people, listen, what I want you to do, stop. Something simple. We, you know, first sip. We like to have our coffee every week. If you tell people, hey, listen, stop buying instead of buying two coffees every day, buy one, or instead right. of that, make coffee at home, please. It's the it's Again. the one simple thing that people can Google and see all the time, right? right? How much you spend on coffee, Dave? You're good with numbers, right? If you buy a coffee. 250, right? Five days a week. Where are you at? It's 1250. In a month. 30 days is 375 dollars. Over a year. So yeah. 4500. Let let's that let's, is more than some people's. That's more than my insurance premium for a year. Right. Yes. And people will tell you I can't afford health insurance, but I can afford two cups of coffee a day. Right. And this is where okay, where I get into what I do, right? Being a salesman because that's what I put in front of people. You hear me in the office. Oh yes. I said yes, I'm do. like I'm like, okay, yeah, you can come to me and listen, I don't got a financial degree and all this stuff, but what I can do is I can put two and two together. My parents mm-hmm. taught me how to connect dots. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing here based on your your history, your transactional history, what you're telling your story, how can you ever think this is gonna add up? Or how can you not see that if you just plug and play this, you'll be in a much better uh, position. And maybe if it's not me that you'll believe with the credibility, let me get you over to Uncle Dave, the advisor, right? And maybe he can set you up to show you where you are going wrong and where you need to instill this discipline. Because if you get the discipline, then we're going to be talking about where the money reside. That's right. So, yeah. So then let's let's piggyback off the, the coffee thing, because this has to be a conversation that you have. What are like comical things that people don't realize that they're spending money on that you as an individual in your position could just tell someone, hey, man, if you just remove this, your life will change. You know, so I, you just 
it's something because I love it. Yeah, avocado. Oh, tell me why. Wow. Tell we me. can't have awesome. avocado toast. No, you can have. Bro, well, first of all, your let's not even get into your generation. We like avocado, avocado toast. toast. Now we're it's avocado and bread, and you why just you put it together like that? and made it a do a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's bread and avocado. Like right. and you then sound, yeah. you so like the my reason mom. I say this because we go. Dude, so I'm in. A, he was mad about. I know for someone to ask And I'm gonna explain. I'm gonna explain to you why. He's mad. So. Your girl is not having avocado. Ever. <laughs> Never have an avocado. No, she's just, I love it. I love <laughs> avocado. So I'm sitting in there and I'm on, I'm on a Lent fast. I do the same thing every Lent. I mm-hmm. give up the certain things. So I, as my family loves to so you basically eat air. <laughs> so I don't eat sugar. Don't eat fried foods. Don't drink alcohol. Don't do bread. But I'm like, all right. So I'm on there trying to order something. And I was like, so I, I'll do I'll do gluten free. It's really gluten I'm trying to avoid. I'm like, all right, gluten. I was like, I'm not. Why am I paying twelve dollars for this? Mm. It's bread and avocado, which I know I can go to the store and buy avocado, buy guacamole, and bread, and not spend twelve dollars. Okay, you like a week supply probably for twelve dollars. That's what I'm saying. But I joke. I, my joke was like, if you cut out little things like that. Like, okay, I'm going to get, because I heard your podcast and you like that, you know, all the things that you get on your Chipotle or mm-hmm. if you cut out certain things. Like Albert's double steak. You heard that? Yeah, that mm-hmm. is true. That yep. is true, Albert. You cut that out. I mean, hey, we got to enjoy. You got to love what you love. Yeah. I am a, yep. I am a, Jennifer will tell you this. I am a beer snob. Oh, nice. So now we're talking. Yes. I love craft beer. But if you, for me, I'm like, look, if, if I had to be like, if that's a sacrifice, I don't do, and this is not a, I'm not knocking it. I just don't do mass produced domestic beer. Like, you're not going to catch me drinking a Bud Light, nothing like that. Miller Lite? Not a Miller Lite. Trash, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say trash. Because there's somebody listening to Miller Lite, no, which might become my giant account. Let you know, Miller Lite's no. the one that no. makes yeah, me the head of private banking. Yeah, like, you got a little like, bit of coin. You know, we won't. We that's won't, right. I mean, I mean that guy. Next thing much. I know, I'm hitting private banking. So yeah. we're not trying to <laughs> get on anybody's case. But it's like, you know, you got to make like little sacrifices. Like, your, your example about coffee is the perfect one. Like you and I, you know, my running joke is I have, I bought a wonderful, I love my car, but I bought a brand new car that I tried to spend and my wife is my new dad car and she saw right through that. She's like, no, that's your car because you arrived. You feel, you know, you're making money now and you arrived. So you got that ridiculous car. Mm-hmm. So my best friend, Roderick, I complain every week. I love this car, but this damn car, I got to fill it every tank, every time with 93 premium. Which sucks. Bruh. Okay. I hear you. Bruh. Sucks. And so now I was like, all right, but you had to talk about the little things, the changes you had to make. So, as I said, we work in King of Prussia. And inevitably, on a Friday, I was like, I put gas in this goddamn car again. And I'm like, so I'm now searching around, like, what's the gas station? There's some gas stations I, I refuse to use. Like, they're just a little bit too all brand for me. Mm-hmm. I run over to the Exxon. I was like, all right, I got to fill it up. Just put in the card and let the thing go. I said, did this goddamn thing just say $67? I said, you have got to be kidding me. So now I was like, because I made it so I knew I, I, had, I could not make it home. Gas where I am, where we live in Philadelphia is cheaper. But I was like, I'm not going to make it home. And I can't be that guy who's on the side of the road with his premium luxury car stuff because he was too cheap to put gas into it. Mm. So then mm. I was like, OK, well, I have to change things up a little bit. Instead of waiting until the last possible second on a Friday, let's plan a little bit better. And now Thursday. I make it to Thursday, come home, and I was like, all right, well, I got to stop. Got to put gas in the car this time, but there's a $7 difference. And that's all because now I'm filling out right around right around the corner from my mother's house at the Speedway right there on City Avenue. 
it saves seven dollars those little changes but i'm like if i'm doing that i'm trying to make sure this i don't have to fill this car every week mm-hmm. trust me i'm not trying to do yeah. that i'm not trying to have to keep on filling this tank every week but i'm like if you if i if you were to do the math and now i'm saving seven dollars every week you're like oh it's only 364 dollars but if you keep on okay but if you're reinvesting that or you're using that strategy, even if you're not putting it into an investment account, what happens if that now is because the other thing, and I know Dikembe works on this, is because the other thing that we see in the conversation have is not just a massive amount of debt that you might be generating from school, but credit card debt. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting caught up in high rate debt, predatory lending, whatever. Like, let's read. Now you can I always say, let's pick off the low hanging fruit, because that's also the other part of the equation. If you're going to start making life decisions about credit and buying a house or doing or even if you're good and getting to the point as a parent. And that's something I'm looking at now down the road. OK, we are going to have to we want to be able to invest in our child's education. What are the different structures or the different things we can do to get there? So I say, you know, you got to say about like I said, I was having a conversation with my millennial coworkers. I'm like, you just got to start a savings plan. And or we have to you got to look at the full picture. I said a holistic financial planning is what I call term what I do. We have to look at everything that's there. Once like you, I, the three of us probably do this. I hope we do. I know I do. But how many people actually pull their credit report? Oh, oh, my gosh. Every it's free. Oh, yeah. As an American. Pull it. Look at it. Like what's going on? I mean, Are you looking at that to see what's going on? I, I talk to people all the time. I mean, I check my credit score like I'm checking the the latest news yeah, it's, free, it's free with it's most free. credit card providers yeah yes. but once again but like, you'd be surprised the number of people yeah. are like what, what there's a mean? lot of budget apps also like mint you can yes. download mint. one today credit card right. mint experience go on mint there is and cool you can check out so many different things that are going on and what's holding you back or what you just got to start tackling right. because you'd be surprised because of the way the, the out there nature of your information the things that people may have that you mm-hmm. don't how very quickly you can change your financial life and financial situation just by but I get it, but people are so busy that, and that's, and that you asked me why me, because that's what I am here for is to help with those situations. The things that people want to avoid. I always say that we always think we're just one of the smartest people in the room, but I can probably learn it, but I'm not building a house. I'm hiring somebody. I'm hiring an architect. I'm hiring engineers. I'm probably figured it out. People, you know, 200 years did this, mm-hmm. but I'm like, that's not my strength. Even like I, I'm I like the law, but I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I'm going to find an attorney. Mm-hmm. And even I would say I'm a financial advisor. Now, kind of part of it is because of my employer, but I realize that I don't because of what I'm trying to accomplish and the things I want to do to help people. I don't have the time really to sit there and self manage. I'll be if I'm honest, I'm supposed to self manage my portfolio. Mm-hmm. So I will find somebody who I trust who will help me to do that. That is like it's not about that you can't do it. Or you don't have the intellect to do it. I don't question people's intelligence. It's about the time. What do you? What are we doing to free up your time for you to, like you two were saying, to be able to pursue something? Yeah. To be able to make the world a better place. What are you doing to be able to do? To be a person of impact. Mm-hmm. Because that's also something that's important that I will definitely work very hard. I know Jennifer and I are going to work hard to instill in our children and our, you know, right now, just our daughter. Like, what are you doing to impact and make the world a better place? Because in Dickie and I, we talk about this. You get money, you lose money and everything else. But you can't take it all with you. Make money, spend money. Right. You can't take it all with you at the end of the day. So what are you doing? Like, what are you setting your, what are you setting things up to do in the future? And yeah, I think that's a, that's a great, great point there, Dave. Um, at a certain point, you got to be honest with yourself, right? Right, guys, you got to ask yourself, what is it that I want to do? 
Right. Right. I have this money. Am I just going to make money? Go and blow it at the luxury store. Right. Albert, just uh, about that again. We're back. We're going back to Louis V after this. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. if you just want to make money to blow it, do you want to start, you know, developing things for your future so you can help your friends and family, the people around you? So, you know, for, I always bring that up because that's something that's true to me, right? Like, I talk to you all the time. Dave, I want to get into this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Not just because of the money side of it, right? It's the, it's what it allows you to do when you have freedom in your life. Yes. When you have control over your time. Not really freedom, but just control yeah. over your time. Well, you and I, we, we said that, like, wealth is freedom. Yes. And I'm not just talking about the amount of money you have, but, like, no, having wealth, well, physical, Having people mental, around you who have right. great ideas. That's, that's a, a, a that's level freedom. of wealth right there, right? Where you can now start bouncing these ideas off one another. And you can be on to the great, the next best thing, the next best business plan, the next best mm-hmm. podcast, the number one podcast in the world, uh, First Sip. Yeah, you know? <laughs> soon. All these, all these different great things that you can do once you have that time, you know, and it is, man, it, it's something that we continue to strive towards, you know, and as I sit here and, and talk about it, you know, like you get goosebumps because you, you think about all the possibilities from the future because of the conversations we've had. Mm-hmm. You tell me, oh, Dikembe, you need to. You're doing good with your money. You know, you got this going. You know, you got your life insurance, all your stuff planned out. You don't even got kids. Good. You know, whatever. What are you doing with the money that's sitting there, though? Right. Right. And that is something, you know, like if we I want to finish up here. One thing I wanted to do was like a quick role play. Right. For somebody who would be our age and say, like, OK, I have five, ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars sitting in my savings. What should be my next step this week? Right. Like if I just heard the podcast, Uncle Dave gave me some good information. What should I do to get me closer to that that life that they've been talking about? Right. Like being able to set up the next generation, being able to set myself up, my whoever. That's a good question. All right. I, I, yeah, I like that, this role yeah, play. That, like, is a, that is a good question. I like this Let's role just play. do a quick role play. Right. Like we do. Like if somebody was to, like actually exactly what we do when we're sitting in the office and we get mm-hmm. some new some new headlines, some new change to some policy. Right. right? And it's like, OK, how are we going to present this to people? So then my question is going to be. And we can take actually I want to take it from two perspectives. I want to do it from a consumer side and also from a business owner side. Okay. Right. Because there's there, we have people who listen from both, both sides. We're small business owners. Mm-hmm. We're also consumers. So, you know, let's, let's go from there. Okay. Well, let's, let's address the consumer side first. Mm-hmm. Do you need this money immediately? Uh, I'll, so, I'll be the consumer. Yeah. I'll be the consumer. I got I yeah, 10 so grand. Let, let, let's paint the picture. Albert yeah. walks into the bank, right? Mm-hmm. And he has an, an appointment with you. Um, you know, a little bit about Albert from maybe what I've told you, right? Like he, you said you want to go from the consumer standpoint? Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it still doesn't have to be like a job interview role play. But no, no, no. You just, know, yeah, very just general. Basic. Like, he just walks in. He's got some money with him, right? He got the coin. This is where the money reside. I hooked you up. Lay up. Let's go. Execute, Dave. Slam dunk it. Talk to Bert. There you go. Albert, so, do you need, do you have an immediate need for the money? No, I don't. So it's just sitting there and it's, you You got in your your savings account is not earning anything. Yes, I have 0. 10 5. grand sitting in a savings account right now. It's getting 1%. Okay. Not even, 0. 0.05. Do you have... Do you have an invest? Do you have a brokerage account? Have you? Are you familiar with that? I am. Yes, I have a Charles Schwab account. No, Charles Schwab. How's it performing? Um, I don't know. Do you have a? Do you have, Do you hear from them? Do you have somebody who contacts you? No. Okay. Well, that's a concern. Yeah. A because we need to. Somebody should be definitely reaching out to you. The reason I'm asked that is because, um, as great as general rates in terms of like buying a house are, they're at historic lows. Lows even that are even outside of how long I've been alive. But the savings account rates are also low, as you know. You got 1%, you know, even five years ago, stuff was 3 4%. But from the investment management side, there's obviously the potential loss of investment principal. I got to make sure I'm stating that as well. But there's an opportunity there. 
that it's not going to be a fixed rate like you might get on a savings account, but there's a chance for a rate of return. If we just look at the general returns, and I always like to use during the pandemic, if people were in a conservative portfolio on January 2nd, 2020, and they never did anything, they ended up returning between two and a half and three percent. And they did nothing. Mm. They didn't do anything. As long as they did not panic in April of 2020 and pull their money out and they just let it sit there, they got two and a half to three percent. You're a young guy. I don't know. We have to get into a deeper conversation about the type sure. of investor that yeah. you are. But if you come out as a moderate investor and the market is even higher this year than it was last year, there's an opportunity for you to be able to get some gain. Now, you have to understand. We got to understand if you're saying you don't need this money, you, there is obviously, again, I cannot stress enough the potential laws of investment principle. But you're a young guy. This is an opportunity for you to be able to have. And it also is because I talk about four different buckets that I think that you should have an immediate bucket. That's paying your that's your immediate money. I need to handle something today. That's normally a checking account for most people. Then you, I say you need to have a emergent bucket. I call it your emergency fund. So if you had something happen today and you needed to always use a death in the family and you had to get across the country by Friday, you need, so you don't need your money to walk into a branch and get it like that, but you do need money that you can get to within say one to two days. Then you have a more of a long-term strategy, whether you're, I'm saving up for a wedding, I'm saving up to buy a house. And that's normally a strategy that's between say three to 10 years. Then you have your longer term strategies, which is going to be retirement and uh, use myself as an example, getting ready to have my daughter saving. You know, we might start saving towards college, which is obviously 18 years from now. But if you have that money and you're saying that I do want access to it, but I, you know, I can let it play a little bit, then that's kind of be that can be form the basis because this is what we see of an emergency fund, because the vast majority and I started in the beginning of this can't afford a $400 emergency, you have the capability to be able to have something, put some things in place to do that. And I'll say, I don't need all the money. We can also look at strategies that perhaps you put some of this into an emergency fund. And maybe we put some of this into make a contribution into a self-directed retirement plan for you, a Roth IRA or something else that's going to help you fill that bucket up towards retirement. Simple, sweet, to the point. It's awesome. Isn't it crazy how really it really is that simple? Mm -hmm. And I it's just just thinking back to some of the stories that we hear, right? When people or the fears going back to the fears that people say, like, ah, oh, I don't want to maybe talk to him yet, you know, or I don't know if I'm in that position. And I always ask him, like, what do you what's what's the concern? You know, what is your what is your worry about having that conversation with him? Because he's not asking you to pay him just to talk. Right. Right. And that's a, that's a very real thing. People will pay just the consultation fee. Hey, just to speak to me. You mm -hmm. have to pay X amount of dollars. You guys don't charge one, right? No, no. That's, and remember, I was telling this to the guys. I'm like, if you wanted to really set up a call and say, "Hey, can I have a conversation with?" Yeah, you know, let's set up, let's set up a call, let's set up a, a video meeting, do something, you know, mm -hmm. just to get the ball rolling, because it will get you moving. How many conversations have we all had in our lives, right? That once we've had that conversation, you wake up the next day, you feel so inspired, and it's like, I gotta go and, and do whatever he just told me to do, or whatever she just told me to, do, because I know it'll get me so much further than I've already gotten here. Absolutely. Right? We were talking to Anton about that. At a certain point in your life, you're doing well, you're doing great, but you need that coach. You need that mentor. Mm -hmm. yes. Somebody to go in and show you that, okay, well, you have to also be transparent with them and say, well, this is what I have going on. If Albert walked right. into the branch and said, Dave, I got 10K here in savings. I'm making this amount of money on a monthly basis. You know, I'm doing these things. 
how am I looking? He'll be he'll be able to sit back and be like, okay, cool, cool. And we do this once every week. You sit there mm-hmm. and you start drawing it up, just like how we in in the insurance world, right? You sit there and you start breaking down people's monthly expenses. Okay, what are we looking at here? Where can we start making some pivots? At the end of the day, we're left with this amount of disposable mm-hmm. income. Now we can start filling these other buckets. Does this person have life insurance taken care right. of? What type of policy are they paying into? Because maybe it's costing them too much and they can be cutting back to save some That's other correct. places, right? That is correct. And just staying very surface level like that, it's easier to execute because you're not getting into the weeds. Everybody wants to get into the nitty gritty like, oh, well, this stock advisor said this and this advisor said this, or maybe I should just stick with Robinhood because I know the best on what I should do. Do you really? Or is it just that you're <laughs> avoiding having a conversation like said, with somebody everybody is, who can really put you on? Is your friend Dekmar? Are you kidding me? Like not he's every, no, yeah. of course. Not. Like he not every, has worked very hard to get there, and oh, it yeah. is not easy. Like we got to. I think sometimes we. Just I don't even. I don't. And I don't even do that. I'm like, if I were to want to get into that world, yeah, I'm hiring him. Ex- exactly. Because <laughs> I'm like, that what? After the whole conversation we just had, you sitting here as a financial advisor said, you know what? I'm not even trying to take the time to go ahead and day trade you know what i mean i have to try to get that level of, of return right so let me get somebody else who can show me the way right you know and right. that's exactly what you just said for albert it's like okay you come in here let me show you the way based on what you're telling me but if you're going to keep certain things you know close to the chest and not tell me everything i can't I'm help so glad you. you said that because we all came from an insurance background mm-hmm. and that's the thing like yeah i always look at it that you have to look at it's a math problem like you, I have this conversation with you. We sit down and you're saying this. Well, the math does not make sense now. <laughs> you're saying that you make $5,000 a month, but you've only got, you say you don't have any money left over, but you just told me that your liabilities, the money that you're, that's coming out, you got 5000 coming in, but the money's coming out is $3,900. Where's the $1,100? Where, where did it where go? Where is it? Where did it go? And you may not, you may honestly not know. Okay, then we need to back out and like you had talked about and gave a good example about, okay, now let's start looking at tracking your spending. Mm-hmm. Like I had a good friend of mine, a mentor who said, well, back when my insurance, if you really want to get a track of somebody's spending and really understand, take a shoebox, tape it, cut a hole in the middle of mm-hmm. it and get receipts for everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even like for your mortgage, everything else and put them in the box. Yeah. Do it for a month. And that'll give you a very good sense of exactly how much money. And then you will figure out just how much money you're spending on things that you might be able to redirect. That'd be such that's a bummer opening yeah. that shoebox. But yeah, man, you, I'm, I'm, I've so done it. You're like, in there. I'm happy yeah, I've done that. it. And you're like, like, I did what? I spent what on this thing? That's let's let's stay on that because that'll bring us to the next role play, right? With the business owners, because that's something that I feel like a lot of business owners, as crazy as it may sound, people don't do. And that's exactly they like don't, with the role play. They that's don't exactly do their monthly would, accounting. Yeah. They don't balance everything out and say like, okay, how much are we really spending and what are we spending this money on? You say, okay, well, I just got this payment from this, you know, vendor or this person who I did the project for. Now I got to go and get supplies or I got to go and get more equipment. So I'm swiping my card. Why is my business not profitable? Why am I not able to save for retirement as a business owner? How many business owners do we all know who say they've been in business for years and years and years, but once again, can't get through a month of not getting paid? That's correct. So well, at, that, at that point, right, it's like, are you yeah. really in a different situation from somebody who's working a job and is fearful of losing their job next week? Yeah. Are well, you, I always say, yeah. yeah, for business owners, the conversation I always have is. What's the end game for this business? Because we know statistically the average business will sell for two hundred and sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So you may have this business for 30 years throughout your um your entire adult life and go to retire and you've got, you're going to sell it and get $260,000. 
which is not going to last you in retirement. So like, and I know that's your bread and butter to convey that you deal with it. So that's the conversation I have when I have with business owners that what is your strategy to set up? We like you and I, right before you um, went out, we were talking about some of the different strategies to get business on, get myself in front of business owners was Mm -hmm. to sit down and talk about what are the benefits? Because the biggest thing for business owners, it definitely is about their managing their, uh, the uh, managing all the money that's coming in is what I'm trying to say, Mm -hmm. but also about saving. So what are you doing to, and then also retaining employees. So employee um, engagement and retention. So what are you doing to build out a retirement plan for yourself? But also this can be a benefit for your employees. And then it may give you a tax write-off, which is going to be able to reduce the amount of money that you're going to have to be paying out. But that's like high, it's not even high level, but those are the conversations that business owners need to have. And like, like I said, I love the Gen Z and millennial generation because you'll create everything. But what is the end game? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you just create this. What is it? What is the end? And my father owned a very successful business and now is retired. And that's the thing I learned from watching him was understanding what the end game is, because there's only a, only a, a, probably about two or three things you can do. Mm-hmm. You either pass it, you know, four things, you'll pass it along to your to your spouse or your children. You'll try and sell it to the employees who are there. Mm-hmm. You'll just flat out sell the business or it'll fail. Yep. So what are you, what is your strategy? Exactly. And I mean, that's, that's a great point. You know, I'm happy. Like you said, you're, you were able to see that from your dad firsthand. I see, you know, my dad, my parents Mm -hmm. doing their business stuff and it's just, it shapes your mind. You know what I mean? And man, you talk about being that end game. It just reminds me of where me and Bert are headed to. (laughs) Calabasas. <laughs> Texas, yeah, I heard you bro. talk about it. That was just like I said, listening to the podcast. Right. Hold up, we got to go to Texas. We're going to Texas yeah, because no, you know we're being financially buck. smart. Going to Texas. No taxes yeah, in Texas. More bang for your I mean, buck. both of you. No taxes in Texas. Let me tell you something, y'all. Yeah, okay, but y'all may have going Dave? up and, and poking Dave? us. What y'all not about? Y'all really want to go somewhere where you look up and there's no running water. Like, yeah, like it's like Middle about? England in the 1700s. What are you talking about, bro? bro? There's parts like we're that. Gonna have, in, we're gonna have a compound. We're gonna have Texas. a nice build out. Hold up, first of all, do y'all do either of you understand the to, geology of the state to, of Texas? You're gonna be able to drink out of the toilet. Yes, <laughs> you too. I can't. It's gonna be that type of compound. <laughs> you understand? Okay? Because listen, <laughs> you were just talking about being a, a good business owner, and that brings us to one of my favorite sections. Probably it's every Texas. Do you? And I love, and I think it's a wonderful place. Well, hear me out here because I'm gonna give my content wreck. That the state of Texas wants to be a own country 100%. yes okay and i'm about it and we're gonna be because, residents because should i tell the people about the kembe 2032 yet no you no. should not because it might get started in texas that's fine you're oh, gonna go i can start okay. as governor yes and then we can make it you know to are you to, gonna at least fix the grid to the country i got the grid i got my boy tommy he already working in solar shout out brother squirrel um <laughs> Dude, you know, what are you talking about they don't want salt. it's texas we got this dave i'm how, a, did I'm the, a how is texas founded you're I'm killing my life right you know what because i'm gonna tell you why i got this they dig stuff out of the ground in texas how are you gonna get them to, i'm gonna figure it out there. i'm gonna figure, to figure out, out about the like, sun just like in my content recommendation of the week snowfall i know on fx right our boy, uh, our boy, uh, what's it, Damson Idris? Yes, yeah. who we saw in out, Outside the Wire. Yep, I, I didn't know if that was going to be your content record. No, no, I my content, I got to give a shout out to my family. Are you kidding me? My content recommendation yeah, is... Up. Save it for the people, right? Because Snowfall has inspired me to be, uh, to sharpen up my businessman uh, tactics. Because, you know, he goes it's in It's about there. a cocaine dealer. A businessman. <laughs> it's about how you look at it, dude. It's about how you look at it. Just like what how you're did, looking at Texas. What was Jay-Z way. doing uh, just a few years ago? Okay, Making it wasn't money? just a few years ago, Making Jay-Z. Kids? I apologize. If we ever meet Hove, I know it wasn't a few years ago. It was about my age, right. actually, when he got started. 
We don't know that. That's alleged. So, well, I was in the room. I told Jennifer I may not have been created, but I was probably in the room when hip hop was created. I could see because you were up there. I was forty four. I was. I might have been there. Uncle Dave. I might have been around. Uncle Dave a little old, but yeah, you know, watching Snowfall. You like you said, he is a a cocaine kingpin. Right. Some would say that. I would say a businessman. How many showing how how many rich retired safe drug dealers do you know Zero. well they're not drug dealers Zero. once they retire Dave we already talked about how at a certain point in life once you got the bag you got to pivot so you can secure the bag <laughs> and this is what I'm trying to go back to us in Texas no taxes in Texas us being great businessmen and us pivoting you don't like the cold bro First sip in no way advocates the usage or selling of drugs. <laughs> no, but if you are at, like if you are at a certain Kembe point, is painting a glamorous picture. We do not encourage this. This episode is for wealth management. That is yes. the goal. And that right is, now, Dave, do not come into, do not show so, up in my office with a bag of cash. This is not. God, I hate no. when they Scarface. Come with cash. I hate when they come with in cash. the eighties. We're not doing that. I'm like, bro, we can't take this. Like, it's gonna get tracked. People gonna uh, like, no. Yeah, like Look, no man. I don't have like I don't have like a secret slot that I just slide cash into. They really it just goes to the people. They really think you do. They really do. Are, they have a they really different do. idea. Of I can tell you stories about customers but who walk in there. And that's like, why we got to go back Dave, to our I'm guy. Two hundred in cash. Our no, guy Franklin Saint from Snowfall. <laughs> no, Franklin Saint. That just sound nice. Sound like the Kembe Smith, right? You can see how it goes hand in hand. Oh, so basically, Dave, once we reach this point uh, where I'm like, where we're just rolling in it, right? Me and Albert, we got. When are we going to space? Let's cut to the chase. That's, when are you getting me to space? Uh, Dikembe 2034. 2034. So once we become... My camo jacket for Space Force, right? Yeah. So we got to take over Texas, okay. right? We're going to move the business to Texas. I'm now down for this plan. I'm need you to advise us down there. So we got no, to... I already told you, I have to, be, I have to be your chief of staff in the White House. You want to talk about your... The your people, The people don't need to know about that plan. They don't need to know about that? Not yet. About your gun time. in the Oval Office? We're like, not yet. That for the next not time. yet. We're going to have to get through some some steps there, all right? Mm-hmm. But um, once we take I over told Texas, you need to be, we need to work on you being like a senator. Well, you'll be thirty-five when, what twenty twenty-eight? Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to get you in a senator. Okay, in a moderate, in a moderate, slightly well, conservative state. I'm not all the way caught up in snowfall yet, but I feel like Franklin might be headed that way to, to politics because once again, yeah. he's already helped his community. He's reinvested, like brought Florida. back so much money into, and that's what I'm looking to do, Dave impact the community speaking of Florida not with drugs not with drugs Once can we talk about right, either of you going to talk we're not going to talk about Florida no you gonna okay. talk, y'all not going to talk about Miami I what y'all doing your, down there in Miami well speaking of your content Rick, where is that um, where is that located it's not Florida but it's also located in a place that's about to come back full swing this summer what your content Rick Dave my content Rick is a shout out to my sister-in-law in Keitio Coral Carroll who is the showrunner for All American that is my content recommendation it is a great show um, please watch it. It's up there. It's top three. It's, you it's know, it was tracking three. really. I, one thing about the pandemic is it, it definitely pushed shows and people weren't exposed to. So it got on Netflix and shot right up to the top was number one. So definitely watch that. The thing I am definitely I, your friend was on here in the military was talking mm-hmm. about WandaVision. I will admit that's my bad. I haven't gotten caught up, but I am fully, that's awesome. fully invested Yep. And I won't even watch certain things with the wife on Friday until we watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There we go. Oh, yep. nice. That's my second one. Yeah. I like yeah, that. That's gotta, a wrap. I got to watch that one later today. That's a wrap. Like, and, it's, and it's interesting because you would think it's like you were just talking about Marvel and how big they are, but they are actually talking out, talking about some very important issues and things that in the world that are going on for mm-hmm. just a superhero show. But it's still got comedy. And it was, yeah. Like I'm that. fully into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like Y'all got some heavy hitters so far. Albert, what you got for our content? Rec? Honestly, man, um, he just blindsided me by throwing in the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right. We got to watch content that. Content right there. 
So um, honestly, my my is that kind of like us? What are we like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? No, you're not. Who's who? Me and Albert. No. What do you mean who's who? Who? You two have you have a slight Bucky vibe. You did. What's the what the? Oh God! Here, did you hear that? He gonna come in tomorrow with a titanium arm. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> you see what you did to him? Jesus! Um, all right, all yeah. Right. To call it's it like my, ebony and ivory. Yeah, my, my, uh, my work. My content wreck of the week. Actually, oh, I just just restarted watching it the other night because one of my buddies brought it up and he just threw it on and I was just um, mm. reminded of how phenomenal is his Peaky Blinders on Netflix. One of the we want to talk shows. about a rise and again we do not endorse. Gambling, Look at you, prostitution yeah. rings. You like drugs? <laughs> uh, Tommy Shelby is my most favorite character ever to ever play a role. But Peaky Blinders on Netflix, it's about a gang and how they came from literally nothing in okay. Birmingham in the 1800s. It is phenomenal. Um, six episodes a well, season. I would be remiss. Mrs. Rivers, you got a content, right? I Nothing? love this. No. No? Okay. Uh, I love that. That was awesome. Listen, listen. But um, I, the I like guys. what we got going here. Tommy Shelby. Franklin Saint, man, we're on to something. Yes, it might it might be starting a drug. uh, Nope, franchise. Nope, nope. We we are we are about. We have to start what? This we will take away. I don't know if that's gonna work for the Kimbe twenty thirty. Our pivot. Our next pivot. What? I don't know. I don't know. Don't worry about me. The Kimbe twenty thirty two people coming soon. (laughs) Um, See my face on a billboard. Vote for me. I, I promise I'm going to the people of the world that I will be there to manage. I'm going to need a lot of management. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot in just sitting in his office. So he's going to need a lot of oh, guidance. Geez. A lot of guidance. Oh, man. Because there, he could go real left with this one. And he, he's real close to the button. So I am like, who I no, am. you cannot walk outside because you're mad and shoot guns. You I can't am do who that. I am. And I'm just going to leave it like this. If the people appreciate who I am then I hope they appreciate me if I get picked to be on the next season of The Bachelorette. Oh, what a way to end it. So we're going to call it on that. We will update it. We'll keep you guys posted. We got something brewing here that's super exciting. Dave, thank you so much. My man, pleasure. For coming on. We fun. hope you enjoyed this. This was a blast. As always, enjoy the first sip.